What's up, guys? This is Blake, host of the That You May Know Him podcast, and welcome back to Two for Ten, the show where we study the Bible one book at a time, one verse at a time. In today's episode of Two for Ten, we're going to be in Revelation chapter 1, verse 16, where we're going to answer the question, what does it mean that the risen Christ who appeared to John did so with a sword protruding out of his mouth? Not only that, What does it mean that his appearance was as bright as the sun? That's what's coming up today on 2 for 10. So stick around and let's get it going. Hey guys, real quick before we get started. We're almost at the end of chapter 1. and In fact, after next week, we will be at the end of chapter 1. So if you haven't already... Please don't forget to head to our website, thatyoumayknowhim.com. Sign up to receive our newsletter updates from our ministry. And that way, when we get to the end of each chapter, you will receive in your inbox more detailed study questions for your edification and for your further, deeper understanding of this book. We cover as much as we possibly can in these short episodes, but there's so much more here to understand, to discern, and to grow with. So please do that if you haven't already. All right, now let's get into our verse for today. All right, guys, Revelation chapter 1, verse 16 is the passage that we're looking at today. We're not going to waste any time. We're only looking at one verse today on 2 for 10, so let's just get right into it. Revelation 1, 16 goes like this. In his right hand, he held seven stars. From his mouth came a sharp, two-edged sword, and his face was like the sun, shining in full strength. What do we make of the fact that Jesus is holding seven stars in his right hand? Well, look, we've already been informed up to this point in our study of this book that Jesus has a very unique appearance. As John turned to see This sound that he heard behind him, it was actually the voice of Jesus, sounded like a trumpet or like a great, powerful waterfall. He hears this voice coming from behind him and he turns to see it and he recognizes the risen Christ, the Son of Man. His hair is white like wool, white like snow. His eyes are like flames of fire that penetrate. His feet are like a heavy metal like bronze refined in a furnace. And his voice is, like we said, like the roar of many waters, like a powerful waterfall. It's also described by John as being like that of a trumpet. Well, we also know from our study of this book that this risen son of man, this heavenly Jesus, is standing in the midst of seven golden lampstands. And we'll, we'll see when we get further on in chapter one next week that these lamp, we've already actually said it, we've already told you, but we'll see it in the text, that these lampstands represent the seven churches that this amazing letter, Revelation, are addressed to. This letter was written to seven real churches that existed in Asia Minor. And these seven churches, according to Revelation 1, are each represented in heaven by a lampstand. Not only does Jesus walk amongst the lampstands, important thing to think about, when was the last time you went to church on a Sunday morning and thought to yourself, huh, 
Jesus actually walks among his churches. He actually is in the midst of his churches at all times. I wonder if Jesus could be here this Sunday. Have you ever thought about that? Totally changes the way you think about church when you think that way. Well, it's not only that Jesus walks amongst the churches. It's not only that real churches have this sort of seal in heaven, a lampstand that certifies it. Hey, heaven recognized this recognizes these churches as real, legitimate, Christ-centered churches. But, but each church also has an angel assigned to it. Think about that. Angels do many things in Scripture. They give messages. They, they give messages a lot. In fact, the word angelos in Greek actually means messenger in its plainest sense. They offer protection. But probably the central role of angels throughout Scripture is that they're watchers. They watch and see what's going on, and they report it back to God. You see this all through the Bible, all through Scripture. So next time you go to church on a Sunday, ask yourself the question, is Jesus walking amongst us today? And is there an angel that's assigned to this church that's actually reporting back to God how we're doing in our walk and our faithfulness to Jesus? And if so, what would that report look like? How would I feel if I could actually read the report that the angel is giving back to God about how we're doing as a church, as a local congregation? These are great things to ask yourself. These are great things for churches to ask themselves. These are all given to us. They're presented to us in just the opening few verses of this amazing letter of Revelation. Okay, this amazing letter called Revelation. Now, the next thing, Jesus has, proceeding from his mouth, a sharp two-edged sword. It's a little tough to wrap your mind around. I've actually looked for years now to see who has actually tried to do a rendering or a painting of the risen Christ. It's rare that you ever find one. I mean, what I mean is there's not that many of them. If you Google, you know, picture of Jesus from Revelation, you'll probably see only a small handful of them come up. But the one thing I find is that the sword is always the, the difficult detail for painters to deal with because it's like, is there actually a sword coming out of Jesus's mouth? Well, I think obviously there's much symbolism going on all throughout this first chapter. And in this description, there's symbolism. But I have no doubt what this sword that's coming out of Jesus's mouth is supposed to represent. Let me ask you a twofold question, Bible reader. What very, very important nickname is given to Jesus in Scripture that has something to do with words, with language? I'm thinking of the very beginning of John's Gospel, amongst other places, where Jesus is referred to as the Word, the Word made flesh. The Word of God is incarnate in Jesus Christ, and He is, in fact, the living Word. What other metaphor, what other analogy is used to describe the Word of God? Well, it's also referred to multiple times in your New Testament as the sword of the Spirit, right? We're thinking of Ephesians 6. We're thinking of the letter to the Hebrews, right? The Word of God is quick and powerful. It cuts. It, it discerns the thoughts and intents of the heart. So here we have the living Word, Jesus Christ, 
with the written word, the sword of the spirit coming forth out of his mouth. And I'll have you know, in Greek, this word for sword, not like the same sword that's used in Ephesians 6. The sword in Ephesians 6 is like a short little sword. Some people even say it's like a dagger that's meant to like dig out, you know, uh, things like shrapnel that gets stuck in your body or to dig out. Uh, uh, I guess in, in that time, it would be like an arrowhead, right? Or the tip of a spear that got stuck. It's more like a close combat weapon is the point. This sword ain't that. This is a long sword, a long two-edged sword. Some scholars even think that this word might be better translated as a spear. This is a powerful, powerful weapon that you do damage with. And what I think this represents is the fact that Jesus, like so much, almost everything in John's description of Jesus represents his power. And this is no different. My friends, the world was created. The heavens and the earth were created by the word of God. And the new heavens and the new earth will be ushered in by the word of God. One day, Jesus will defeat all of his enemies, all of his enemies with the sword of his mouth, with his very word. Because when Jesus speaks, his words are so powerful, are so authoritative that they do exactly what they're intended to do always and at all times. Hebrews says that this same Jesus upholds the universe by the word of his power. It's not a surprise to see that the risen Lord, the living word, has the word of God sort of protruding out of his mouth in this metaphor, this imagery of a sword. It's actually very fitting. It fits with all of scripture. And it's meant to remind us, like every other detail, that Jesus is powerful. He will defeat all of his enemies, including death, and he'll do it with a word. Lastly, what does it mean that Jesus' face his face, maybe even his whole appearance, depends on how you interpret this passage, was shining like the sun in full strength. This is amazing. How is it? Well, think about this for a minute. You look up at the sun. How many like close details of the sun can you actually pick up when you look directly into it? None, right? In fact, if you look at the sun for too long, you're not going to be able to see much of anything for a while afterward. It's amazing that John can describe Jesus and his appearance like the sun shining in full strength and still be able to pick up every single detail about him from his head all the way down to his feet. But that's another story. There's two things I think that this should sort of bring to our remembrance from scripture itself. Remember, I've been telling you every episode, this book is full of scripture. Almost every verse is full of scripture. I wasn't lying and I, I don't think I was exaggerating either. The two things that this brings to mind, first, the Mount of Transfiguration, right? Jesus actually, during his earthly ministry, had a moment where he took a few of his disciples, John was one of them, and went up on the Mount of Transfiguration and was transfigured. He was seen in sort of this heavenly way, right? They actually saw him having a conversation with two of the old prophets from the Old Testament. And John says in that record that afterward, Jesus' face was shining like the sun. Another very important passage that this sort of reminds us of comes all the way back from Exodus 34. When Moses went up on a mountain to meet with God, 
He was up there for 40 days and 40 nights. And when he came down with the Ten Commandments, the people of Israel could not even look at him because his face was shining like the sun. And the text actually says in Exodus 34, it was shining like the sun because he had been talking with God. This man had been communing with God. And because of it, his face shone like the sun. My friends, when someone's face shines like the sun in scripture, it always represents glory. The amazing thing about the Exodus passage is that the Apostle Paul actually picks it up and uses a little midrash, does a little Jewish Bible interpretation in his letter to the Corinthians and says, the fact that Moses' face was shining like the sun is sort of significant. It sort of represents the fact that the old covenant was glorious. God was in the old covenant. But Paul goes on to say, how much more glorious is the new covenant, the covenant where we are washed, we are cleansed by the blood of the lamb. And we're not living under this law that requires that we, that we walk perfectly at all points. In other words, we're living under God's grace now, right? Our imperfections have been taken care of by God. And we actually get the privilege of being in his presence, of coming boldly into his presence at any given time, whenever we choose. The fact that Jesus' face is shining like the sun represents the fact that he is the one who sits in the presence of God at all times and in all seasons. And in fact, he is one with God. Our high priest, our king, our Lord Jesus is shining like the sun because he is at the right hand of the Father on high. And simultaneously, you know what? He's walking in our midst. He's walking amongst his churches. He's making intercession for us. There's so many things that he's doing. But for us, he represents the presence of God. And when we gather as Christians in a local church, we gather in his name and in his presence and in the presence of his Father God all at the same time. My friends, this is perhaps the most magnificent and wonderful reality of the new covenant as it pertains to this life. We're going to live in the presence of God forever, but it starts today. It starts right now. When you meet Jesus face to face, you will see that his appearance is bright like the sun. But why wait? Why not start encountering him now and getting your own taste of what John saw? Why not learn to live in his presence now? That is all the time we have for today. This has been Revelation chapter 1, verse 16. Thanks so much for being a part of 2 for 10. Thanks for watching and listening as always. We'll be back next week to finish chapter 1 of the book of Revelation. And boy, then we really start getting in to some wild and crazy stuff. Until next time, stay blessed, live loved, and thank you so much for watching and listening to That You May Know Him. Thank <laughs> you.